Let's make it a good one, eh? I'm Don Hall, and this is the Peculiar Journeys Podcast. And this is episode 15 of season 2. Hey, I am freaking excited right now because tomorrow, Dana and I get on a plane to Detroit. Then we sit around for 8 hours. And then we get on another plane to London to celebrate our third anniversary. Uh, Yes, dear listening journeyers, I am bringing my microphone and I'm going to try and get a few stories recorded from random Londoners and perhaps a few Scots for upcoming podcasts. One of the things I realized is that I had to get like business cards of some sort that said it was a podcast because when I go out here in Chicago once in a while I'll I'll say hey can I get you to tell me a story of a podcast and if I don't have anything to hand them then I look like a weirdo so that's one of the things I do all right a couple of updates on stuff going on as announced last episode Peculiar Journeys has a Patreon account at www.patreon.com slash Peculiar Journeys that you can jump on and become a paid subscriber to this podcast you know throw me a couple of bucks a month, get some special patron-only treats, that sort of thing. So head on over there if you have any disposable income you want to part with that isn't already going to a much worthier cause. All right, so after we get back from the UK, I'm going to be fill-in hosting for Flabby Hoffman on his AM radio show on September 23rd from noon to 4 p.m. over at q4.org or 1680 a.m. I encourage you, if you want to listen, to listen. We have Uh, Also, Literate Apes, the sickest fucking stories I ever heard on Thursday, September 21st, featuring Joe Bill and Identity Flip, Red State, Blue State on Tuesday, September 26th. You check out all the Literate Ape events at literateape.com slash events to get tickets. Okay. If you listen to the first season, you know I've been recording my dad a lot. I have... Ah, it's like dozens in store from him uh, this season. But it occurred to me after recording episode 11 with my wife, her brother, and her mom, it occurred to me that my entire family is just a pack of storytellers. I mean, not, not a gathering goes by without a lot of us sitting around telling epic tales of, you know, botched vacations, story of mundane conflicts at the grocery store, but they've now become legendary, exaggerated mistakes and heroics. I mean, thank God Dane is cool with it because, you know, when we get together for Christmas or Fourth of July and the whole family's in one house, it's a nonstop gab fest from dawn until, until everybody's asleep. The story's piling up like the snow or the burnt paper of a thousand black cat firecrackers. And thus, my mom. I decided I would record some stories from my mom. Now, my mom, her name is Jackie Volbrecht, and she is, I mean, you know, you hear everybody say, oh, I love my mom, she's an inspiration. My mom really is an inspiration. She is a perpetual do-gooder. My mom spent time counseling those in poverty. She started a food bank in Marion, Kansas. She's been to Russia to assist orphans, right? So that's, I mean, this, she is, boom. Okay, she had me when she's 16. She raised my sister and I through a lot of hardship financially. And at times she worked multiple, multiple jobs. She's also told me some uh, stories about being sexually harassed pretty routinely. 
Um, so she's got a lot of tough stories. But for this podcast, she wanted to talk about one of her favorite figures in history, the one and only King of Rock and Roll. first time I saw Elvis Presley, I was 12 years old, and he was on the Ed Sullivan Show. And what I immediately loved about him is my father said he should be arrested for moving like that. So the love affair began, and I would walk to Duckwalls, and they had 45 records. They were little round records that you play on your machine with a hole in them. So I would buy his records, and I loved him. So this is all through my childhood. I had a great big poster of him above my bed. He was cool. And I resented the Beatles highly because I thought they were stealing his thunder. So I grow up, and I'm probably 25, 26, and Elvis Presley comes to Wichita. A dream come true. I cannot believe it. He's going to be in Henry Levitt Arena, and the tickets were $7.50, which was a lot of money, but I thought it was worth it. There was not reserved seating. So I bought my ticket, and when I got there, needless to say, it was a circus atmosphere. You know, he had, Colonel Parker had it like carnival stuff. Everywhere, all around the arena, there were things you could buy. Elvis, all kinds of buy Elvis, this buy Elvis, that. Even the program you had to buy. So he's making a lot of money, even though the tickets sound like they're not so expensive, everything else was. So I go up there, and of course, it's all girls and women, mostly my age. So we are there, and we are 14 years old again, and he comes up, but i got to give you the build-up. Okay. So the arena's packed, chatter, chatter, all the sound, and then the lights go off. And the band goes, dum, 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 da-da. Boom, 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 boom. Do this about three times, and the, and the whole arena's just silent. Then all of a sudden, da-da-da-da-da-da, and the lights start strobing and going on, and it's just pandemonium, and everybody's screaming, and out comes Elvis in his white jumpsuit with a high collar, his long sideburns, his aviator glasses on, and it's the fat Elvis, but I didn't care. Nobody cared. Nobody cared. So he comes out, and he sings, we're caught in a trap. He does Suspicious Minds. And behind him are the sweet inspirations. They're all beautiful black girls in their fringy dresses, and they're doing all the doo-wads, and you know, they're that part. So he puts on a show that is beyond belief. He sang every song we wanted to hear. And then he had all these scars around his neck. And he's singing us a love song. And he's walking along. And I am hanging. It hurt my stomach. I'm hanging over this metal bar because he's wiping sweat on the cloth, on the scarves, and handing them to the girls. I am in line. If the scarves hold up, I'm going to get an Elvis sweat scarf. And I'm hanging over and I'm hanging over. Two scarves. I was the two scarves left and I didn't get them. So I was heartbroken about that. I even thought about fighting one of those girls for it, but then I didn't. I was a grown woman. So I didn't do that. So anyway, he puts on this great, great show. Everybody's having so much fun. And then it's time. The last song was the Battle Hymn of the Republic. And oh my gosh, he knocked it out of the park. You know, his voice just vibrato and everything. Fabulous. And we're just in ecstasy. And he starts to leave. And where I am standing is over the exit. 
And my mind says, and this is the God's truth, jump. I knew that if I leaped, I could land right on Elvis Presley. I knew that. And my mind just says, jump, do it, do it. And he's walking, and it seemed like the whole world went in slow motion. He's walking, walking, walking. I see him. The lights are going down, and I didn't jump. And it's been the regret of my life. I should have jumped. The only thing that makes me feel a little bit better is what if I'd killed him? Then I would have lived forever being the woman that jumped on him and broke his neck. Then they do the typical thing. Elvis has left the building. And that's my story. Elvis died was really hard for my mom. I was home. I was about 10 years old. She was at work. And remember, this is long before instant news of the internet or even cable television. CNN didn't even exist then. There were three channels. Um, I used to call her at work and I would prank her and I would pretend to be people I wasn't. I'd put on voices. I'd fool her. She'd get mad at me. We'd laugh. So when I called her to tell her that Elvis had really, like, officially left the building, she got pissed off at me. She really, she thought I was fucking around. And then after a little while, it dawned on her that I wasn't joking. And I recall she just hung up on me. I know she cried, even though I never saw her do it. Now, I was never an, a big Elvis fan. The Elvis Presley was not my thing. I was definitely into the Beatles. That was something that mom and I did not have in common. She resented the Beatles. I loved the fucking Beatles and Led Zeppelin and Black Sabbath, Black Flag, the Dead Kennedys. I mean, Elvis was old school. And maybe because my mom loved him so much, the music of another generation, in spite of the fact that, you know, 16 years really only makes about half a generation gap. <laughs> well, another thing about my mom is that she's just a little bit reckless, not like in a, a self-destructive way, but in a let's go on an adventure sort of way. Those words, let's go on an adventure, became the scariest phrase in my young life. Let's go on an adventure led to being stranded in the desert, driving on the Rocky Mountains inches from plummeting off of a cliff, even eating the most evil concoction known to man, the Reuben sandwich casserole, which was so bad the dog wouldn't even eat it. So, when I decided to take her on an adventure, she was instantly on board. Mother's Day is always a big deal to me, and I've made it known to my children that they must not forget me on Mother's Day. And so the kids are grown, but I'm still expecting something to happen. I think Vicky's planning something, and usually Donnie, since he lives in Chicago, will mail me something. And so, knock on the door, and day before Mother's Day, there's Donnie in his car. He says, pack a bag, we're going. Nobody's planning anything. So I just went. I wasn't about to do anything but go. So I packed my clothes, and off we went to the unknown destination. And we drove, and we talked, and we had a fun time. I know we're going south, but I don't have a clue. I mean, there's a lot of things south of Kansas. 
and as we're driving and that you start seeing the signs and I see that we're going through Arkansas and then we get to Tennessee I can't remember the highway but it's a kind of a famous highway that we're on and then I start getting an inkling of where we might be going and then when we pull into Memphis then I think yeah we're going to Graceland so the first thing thrill is to see those gates with the music notes on them everybody knows the gates with the music notes and that was huge so we had to park across the street in huge parking lots actually there were a lot of people visiting Graceland so we had to wait our turn and the tickets were priced like this there was one price to see the mansion and then you had to add on like do you want to see the airplane do you want to see the cars do you want to see we wanted the whole deal so we got the tickets for the whole full meal deal and then we wait in our line and they fill up these buses and they take you across the street and you go through the gates and I was kind of surprised I thought Graceland would be bigger because they always said that Elvis bought a mansion for his mom and it wasn't in my mind a mansion but it was a nice sized pretty house lots of trees and big ground so you wait your turn again there's a lot of waiting in line and then you start going through with the tour guide about 25 people at a time and they're rushing them through they're just you know come on this is this this is this and I thought no way so we probably stayed behind about four four groups passed us and I just stood there and soaked it all in the first thing you go in and and I think this is the tackiest place so tacky that it's beautiful tackiest place I'd ever seen 1970s nothing has changed nothing and so the first room you go in is this living room and it looks like somebody that that uh, had been very poor and all of a sudden is rich and so they want everything to look expensive you know gold with fringe and and glass and all kinds of neat things like that and so the piano is roped off so you can't go in and touch it but you can see his piano in his living room and we stood there quite a while because I wanted to memorize everything in the room where everything's set and then your your mind goes Elvis sat on that couch Elvis played that piano that was just too cool then we go to the jungle room and the jungle room is beyond belief and I'd heard about that and that's where Elvis took the Beatles that's where he would take people to go the jungle room had shag orange carpet up the walls and on the ceiling I've never seen anything like it in my life and it had of course you can imagine animal hide looking it wasn't real animals but it was animal skin looking furniture a big pool table was in there lots of fake plants and I stood there probably the longest I think you know the tours just kept going by and I had to just be there be there in the moment and imagine the people that had been in that room they don't let you go upstairs which kind of tickles your imagination like what is up there and is you know they're always talking about is Elvis alive and that kind of thing but there was somebody that lived up there an aunt or something that they wouldn't let you go up into the bedroom and so we saw the recording studio he had a TV room that had all the old you know boxy TVs he had several of them going and uh, sound studio and that was really all they showed us in the mansion that I recall then we went to where his airplane was and the coolest thing about that was he had gold seat belts in his bed and I thought that was kind of good imagine him laying on his bed with those seat belts hooked on him 
and he had gold toilets and gold faucets and everything so that was really neat to see it, the plane wasn't as large as I thought it would be but it was neat to see then the cars oh my gosh I'd heard legends about him giving Cadillacs away so we had an awful lot of Cadillacs and Cadillac convertibles so that was neat to see all of those cars then we went to the museum and I think that's when Donnie started getting the full feel of who Elvis was because all of his gold records they had his clothes which was kind of comical in a way because he starts out with that black leather and he's tiny tiny guy and then you just keep seeing his his costumes getting larger and larger and larger and you I saw the one that I saw him in was the white with all the jewels on it and the high collar so that was kind of neat and they had things like his driver's license his report card uh, just his life was encompassed in all of these uh, viewing cabinets and things and I think Donnie started realizing what a big deal he was. One of the funny pictures was with Elvis with Nixon because I remembered he was going to help Nixon with drugs and so he was there with Nixon and they, I guess I heard they were kind of friends they kind of became friends. So we did that and toured the grounds, oh and then we went out to where he's buried and that was sad. It was right, that wasn't very big, but anyway, he's buried there. His mom's buried there. And I can't, somebody else, but I can't remember who it was. And so there's his tomb, and there's a swimming pool there. And I can remember seeing pictures in magazines of him riding golf carts over the, golf carts over the hills. But that was, so we had a solemn moment there. And it's interesting to be what I purchased in the gift shop. I got a coffee mug, I got pins, that had a little Cadillac going down in the liquid and back up again that said Graceland on it to give away. And then on my magnet, because I collect magnets, I got a picture of where he was buried. That seemed to be the thing that impressed me the most. And so that was the grandest trip I'd ever been on. And I realized that had, had I wanted to, I could have decorated my entire house in Elvis. They had Elvis toilet stool, lids, they had Elvis drapes and sheets, and I, I did back away from that, thinking that wouldn't be such a good idea. But it was the most grand surprise trip Mother's Day I've ever had. If you ever happen to be out in Marion, Kansas and look my mom up, you will notice that while mom didn't decorate her home with Elvis stuff, her multiple yard statues and in the entire like fairy village in the backyard indicates that she wasn't you know, too far from it. All right that's the podcast i want to thank my mom jackie volbrecht for giving us a slice of her peculiar journeys and i want to thank you for listening i'd also like to thank a couple of cats who took a moment to rate peculiar journeys on itunes a while back uh steve 227 calls it a solid and honest podcast he says i like storytelling podcasts don hall is a veteran storyteller and his new podcast is off to a great start i'm digging it can't wait for more um, also from, thank you, Steve. Also from a slightly newer sod.
slightly newer sod. He says, stories and conversation. He says, I enjoy how this podcast is growing and learning from itself. I feel engaged in the conversation about what a story can do as well as the stories themselves. I look forward to hearing other voices and more of Don Hall stories and thoughts on storytelling. I come here for the same reason I turned on AM radio during long drives years ago to get a unique voice sharing their take on the world. I don't think Don Hall's looking to homogenize storytelling, but is searching for that thread of sameness that can connect us all to anyone's story if we just take the time to listen and care. Thank you, Steve, and slightly newer sod for your thoughts. I'd love it if, like them, you took the time to let me know how it's going. Uh, you can rate it on iTunes or leave me a message at don at donhallchicago.com. podcast is also up on my SoundCloud at www.soundcloud.com slash Don Dash Hall under the albums section. Go to patreon.com slash peculiar journeys to support the thing financially and receive patron only recordings and other stuff for your efforts. Now, if you're in Chicago and you're looking to experience some live storytelling, I would like to recommend that you head over to the monthly 10 by 9 show hosted and curated by Tom Valenti and Literate Ape contributor Lauren Huffman. Nine tellers get 10 minutes apiece to tell a story from their lives based on a theme. Best part? It's free. Check out Facebook.com slash 10, spelled out T-E-N, lowercase x, numeral 9 Chicago for dates and info. That's 10 times 9 Chicago for dates and info. All right. Thanks for listening. The older that I get, hopefully, hopefully, the wiser I become. And I really do, at this point in my life, believe that the listening to and telling of stories is the road to more empathy and increased compassion in Jesus fucking Christ in this day and age. I really don't think it's worse than any other day and age. I think it's just, it's always kind of been similarly where we are always on the brink of some sort of a a civil war. I don't think it's going to get to that, but we really need more empathy, more increased compassion. We need to learn how to listen to each other. When you share stories, you manage to tear down all the invisible barriers of class and race and identity and expose the humanity within each of us. So keep listening, keep telling. Please, God's sakes, let's get better than we are. <laughs>